Welcome to Eczema Breakthroughs, brought to you by Global Parents for Eczema Research, or Cheaper. This show features conversations between parents of children with eczema and the world's leading scientists and researchers who study eczema. Global Parents for Eczema Research is an international network of parents that advocates for better treatments and management options for children with eczema. Jeeper is led and comprised of parents of children with eczema and was formed in 2015 to address the critical need for research that answers questions of importance to patients and families. Learn more about Jeeper and subscribe to the Eczema Breakthrough Podcast at parentsforeczemaresearch.org. And welcome, everybody. I'm Corey with Global Parents for Eczema Research, and I'm glad you could join us today. I'm excited to have a co-host today, Angela Tiru, who, like me, is also the parent of a child with eczema. So welcome, Angela, and thanks for joining. Thank you. Well, I'm so happy to introduce our guest today, Dr. Brian Kim. Dr. Kim is, as far as I can tell, a professor of basically everything. He's an assistant professor of dermatology, anesthesiology, pathology, and immunology. He's also co-director of the Center for the Study of Itch at Washington University School of Medicine in St. Louis. His laboratory focuses on the immune mechanisms that underlie skin inflammation and the sensation of itch, which is so common and vexing for people with eczema. And his groundbreaking translational research on eczema is showing completely new ways for addressing it by priming or ramping up the immune system rather than discouraging it. Um, Dr. Kim also has a great Twitter handle. He is the itch doctor on Twitter, which I love. And so Dr. Kim, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Thank you for having me. I was reading about how you came up with this discovery about natural killer cells. And it's so interesting kind of how you figured it out. So you were treating people with eczema and you noticed with their lab tests that they had low levels of natural killer cells, which just as the name suggests, you know, natural killer cells are fighters that the immune system uses to fight off invaders and infections. So you took that observation to your lab and you studied it in mice and found this association between eczema symptoms and low natural killer cell levels. And you, you studied that further and then you had this great paper that came out in Science Translational Medicine on that topic. But for us in the eczema community, this finding is so counterintuitive because so far, all eczema therapies have focused on trying to quiet the immune system instead of ramping it up, as you would with natural killer cells. So I I wanted to ask, first of all, how do we make sense of these two completely seemingly opposite findings or approaches to treating eczema, and why would they both work? You know, you're asking a very good question, and we're, we're so focused on understanding how things go wrong with your immune system to, to cause eczema. And, and that's appropriate. And we think about this a lot as scientists. But what we kind of missed out on is the idea that maybe there's a way that your immune system could just do something right and correct itself. You know, with our increasing understanding of the immune system, that you could mobilize a very specific part of the immune system to then regulate and kind of ward off the bad players in the other parts of the immune system. And that's really kind of the basis of... of um, this kind of therapeutic approach, and which I think goes completely counter in terms of the approach, not in terms of that they're incompatible. They're completely compatible, what we're describing, but rather that the approach just comes from the other end. And, uh, you know, I think that this is, this, is, this is what we really want to get at at the end, is how do we train our immune system to act appropriately? Uh-huh. So 
you know, in the case of cancer or an, or an infection, the natural killer cell would be going after something. In the case of eczema, what is it doing, I guess? Yeah, it's interesting. That. Yeah, it, it's actually going after the, the bad, bad actors in the immune system. So what it's doing is it's keeping things in check. I grew up in, in Alaska, and we, uh, we watched the Iditarod every year, which is the big dog sled race. You know, you have the lead dog, which is really, really important, and it has to be at the front. You know, you can't have the second or the third in line try to jump up front. Otherwise, the, the whole sled crashes. And in many ways, that's really what's happening in eczema, is that you have a part, one part of the immune system that is deciding to overtake everything else. And when, when that happens, it's actually very problematic, not just from the standpoint that you develop eczema. And, and truth be told, what really inspired this work was actually children I saw at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia when I was a resident, who for whatever reason, we didn't really understand and probably still don't entirely, would come in and they would have a condition called eczema herpeticum, where they had eczema and then they would somehow get colonized or infected with herpes virus. And instead of just simply causing a cold sore in a normal host in kids with eczema, it would suddenly just be like wildfire where they would have eczema all over their body. They would develop fever. They would get admitted. They'd have to go on IV antivirals and antibiotics and just have, you know, these lesions all over themselves. And, and I, I asked at that time, what's happening? What is happening that these kids with eczema are getting this? Their immune system is just, gone awry and the protective parts of their immune system have disappeared and all the things that cause eczema have really put everything else into submission. It's really taken it over. And that was the idea that always, that always bothered me though. I always thought, well, whatever the inflammation it is that's causing the eczema is also suppressing other parts of the immune system that we need. So the idea behind this paper was rather simple, which is that could we, is there a part of their immune system that we could boost? that we can restore this balance. Hmm. That's so interesting, you know, and it makes me think of, there's a parallel here with the skin microbiome, right? Because when people with eczema, the staff kind of runs amok and it drowns out the other parts of the ecosystem that are part of that balance. So in both instances, you have sort of certain players becoming overdominant and, you know, that, that balance falling, falling out of whack. So both with the immune system and with the, the bacterial colonies that are there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, when we think of inflammatory disorders like eczema, it's all about balance. It's about the proper balance of your different immune cell subsets. It's about the balance of your microbiota. Do you have good diversity? Do you have a, a healthy skin barrier? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to pass the baton to Angela to give the next question, but I, before I forget, I wanted to say that one thing that comes to mind, though, and it's a question, I think, for parents and patients is, you know, how much of this is the eczema and how much of it could possibly be treatment-related? If you're sort of tinkering with the immune system with steroids and other things, you know, might that be driving this drop in natural killer cells versus the eczema, and how do you tease that out? Oh, that's a very good question. We have to do our best to try to parse that out. One thing we do know about eczema, particularly in children, is that it's pretty hardwired. When I used to see children a lot more, what struck me is that I'd have these two or three month old children just show up with eczema all of a sudden. I mean, they really hadn't had done much yet. 
once you, at least with our study, what we find is that once you have the inflammation that defines eczema, these natural killer cells start to go away. Uh, I think that you bring up a really good point, which is that are there things that we as patients and providers are doing that may actually be inadvertently exacerbating eczema in the long run? Could we be accelerating the, the kind of getting rid of these NK cells that we want? I think it's very possible. We're already, we've already done that a lot in eczema, to be quite honest with you. For instance, in general, in general, people with eczema should not receive oral prednisone, but we see it happen all the time. I'm not blaming anyone. I get it. The patient wants it. They just want that temporary relief. So does the provider. So we do it. But is that necessarily in the long term doing the right thing? Um, I tend to think not so. I, I think that that's probably not what we want to be doing long term. That was an excellent description. And I would love to sit here and listen to an entire hour of what you think um, our previous eczema myth. We understand that eczema is exceedingly variable from person to person. Patients respond so differently to different treatments. Might this approach help those patients who have not been lucky enough to respond to existing treatments thus far? Is there a way to know who would benefit from this natural killer cell approach? Uh, and I'm wondering if there's a reason to think that this might be a new, safer option. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you guys are asking all actually very difficult questions that are all the right questions, though. Um, regardless of what you think about eczema, we can define it in a way that one group has eczema, um, one doesn't. And the group that has eczema, if they get the treatment, the treatment like the map, a good number of them will get better. And that's true, right? But I think what you're asking me is, but a lot of people also don't. And could this yeah. be an opportunity for a novel, what we call mechanism of action? So a, taking a totally different approach be appropriate. Absolutely. I mean, that was the thinking behind us. That was the fundamental idea. I thought, wow, you know, people are, Dupilumab really started this kind of wave where a lot of companies finally became believers that eczema, A, was a disease that was tractable and that there are certain very specific immune pathways that you can block and have good success. But what that created was a lot of kind of, um, you know, bandwagon therapies that are no question great and innovative and impactful, but kind of all in the same vein. And we, and we took a different turn and we decided, could we figure out a way that instead of just trying to block everything one by one, could we just boost something? And, you know, and I gave the rationale for the NK cell, you know, that, that we can just restore this balance. And, and that was the idea is that, and, and in fact, I have many patients who don't respond to Dupixin or incompletely respond to Dupixin. Um, so, and those patients say, okay, you told me that there's all this great hope about this new drug, but now what? You know, and then and then I'm stuck now all over back to where I was ten years ago then. And that's the idea. And 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 you know what? There's a lot more backstory to this too. A lot of these patients tried many, many drugs that suppressed their immune system in ways that were, were much more dramatic than Dupixin. And they still did not have success. So it's not just Dupixin or Dupilumab. It was that I had tried three, four, five different ways to block their immune system. So at some point we had to come up with a different strategy. And, and, and that's really the basis for this. But the short answer is that, yes, this is a different way. And do we think this can capture other patients who don't fit kind of the current narrow definition uh, as we know it, who respond? Yeah, I do think so. And that's, that's the whole basis for this. And that for this community is 
so very exciting. We thank you for that. Yeah, and, you know, so interesting. I guess what comes to my mind, too, is, um, you know, rather than having a different, a completely different approach, could this be added? Could they could be, be combined to capture more patients and offer more benefit? So, you know, you block IL-13, you know, that's the part of the immune system that mm-hmm. needs to be blocked, and you use a natural killer cell approach together to get, you know, the optimal results. So part of that rebalancing idea, I guess. Yeah, no, I mean, this is, this is great. I, in some ways, I'm, I feel like you guys are asking me much more sophisticated questions than even um, medical people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so what, it turns out, not only do you need to boost NK cells, or not only do you need to inhibit IL-13, you almost have to do both to really get the balance back to where you really want it to be. My question um, has to do with just kind of getting back to like the practical stuff. Like, you know, when is this going to be a treatment for us? This is what we always want to know. But also, you know, sort of related to that, can you tell us kind of speaking practically, um, how could you manipulate natural killer cell presence or function to create a therapy? What would you be manipulating exactly to cause that change? Yeah. So, um, so when you know we've made a number of kind of key discoveries in in in, in eczema specifically. You know, we've discovered new cells, you know, that are new culprits. Uh, we discovered how itch actually is triggered in eczema, and then now we have this NK cell story. And even if you know I might have the expertise, a company may not want to do it because they say, well, we don't really have the expertise to troubleshoot this all the way down. Um, there are regulatory hurdles. You know, I deal with issues like people saying that, you know, my other, you know, I, I, I do eczema, but I do chronic itch. You know, I have people saying that chronic itch is not really a disease. You know, uh, and there are so many battles that have to be fought for even the best of ideas to make it to patients. There are about 10 different things you're ch- challenged with. So it's not because the idea is not good enough or it's not because, you know, that you know, that there's this one thing that's getting in the way or the cost of it or something. There are like 10 things. And that's why I think it's, I'm really appreciative that you all are interested in this because it takes patient advocacy uh, to get drugs to the market. And so the, the short answer though about this technology is that we're not very far off. Um, so, so we actually used a prototype in mice that is actually the model that was used in humans now in clinical trials for cancer. And it's already proven that this therapeutic selectively amplifies NK cells. The question in my mind is with all this focus on cancer, which is a, you know, um, big area, it's very important, but it's also big moneymaker, you know, to be, to be a little cynical, you know, are people going to draw their attention using that technology towards eczema? And, and that's the challenge. It's really a matter of, do you want to roll up your sleeves and, and do this? And who's the company to do this? Who's the investor? Who are the investigators? You know, who's, who's going to back that? So I personally don't think this is very far off. Uh, this is a question from Vanessa Burns in Australia, and it was also submitted by Armando de la Libertad in California. And the question is, there's an observation that um, when their children have a fever or an infection, their eczema sim- symptoms disappear. And then when they recover from the cold or whatever it was, it comes roaring back, and so they wondered if this was related to, you know, the the, the mechanism that you've discovered. 
Yeah, uh, this is unbelievable. I'm I'm getting asked some of the most <laughs> interesting questions here that I've ever been asked. Um, no, that's very very insightful. So, um, you know, when we think of even um, you know any kind of viral infection, um, these NK cells are designed to fight off viruses, right? Um, um, you know, probably if you get infected with even COVID-19, these NK cells, other cells get mobilized, but I bet these NK cells will get boosted and they will, they will try to do what they can help eradicate the virus. So um, I think that you're right on in that question that it's very likely that when children get infected with even seasonal respiratory viruses, that their NK cells get activated and by kind of collateral damage, the eczema gets better. I think it's very likely. Um, obviously, that's not a therapeutic strategy to give people infections to boost their NK cells. Um, but it, it really gets at the idea that these NK cells are important and they do get mobilized. And, and I think you're seeing the result of that very likely. Yeah, I love it when, like, you know, parents have insights that end up aligning with sort of cutting-edge theory. So that's super neat. And so related to that, we have a question from Lamel Doyle. She's in Michigan, and she said, is there an optimal age for this, are you thinking? Um, or is it something that would, may work equally well in kids and adults? A lot of people have asked me, because um, our study was mostly in adults, and they said, do you think children have NK cell deficiency? Um, uh, hypothesis one, yes, I do think they do. I think you just have to look. Um, and I'm sure people are already. Um, and so I think it would work in both. Now, having said that, do I think that everyone with eczema should get this? No, not, not really. I, I, we studied it very specifically in moderate to severe eczema. Um, a lot of people get scared away by it, by the idea that it's used for cancer. But not everything used for cancer is necessarily laden with side effects, right? Um, I think there's a lot of baggage with cancer therapy because, because of the old days of quote-unquote chemotherapy. Um, I'm surprised at how many times things get labeled a chemotherapy just because it's for cancer, uh, even though it's also used for inflammation. So I think there's some baggage there that we have to get past for, for therapies in cancer. This, this would make sense across the board, but there are certain populations that I would like to start in, uh, more severe patients. I would like to obviously start in patients who have NK cell deficiencies, and importantly, patients who suffer from more uh, complications related to infections. These patients with eczema herpeticum, uh, patients who get, you know, there are other viral infections that, that people get and children get. Uh, lots of times they'll get a lot more in the way of molluscum, warts, uh, not just staph, but strep infections as well, even uh, Coxsackie virus. Uh, there are a number of other thing, complications children get, it'd be nice if you could start from those areas, not with just, not in just the hopes of improving their eczema, but also just get re getting rid how great would it be if a kid who keeps getting recurrently herpes virus, they never get it again. I mean, how great would that be? Uh, I just felt terrible for those kids who got admitted uh, to the hospital every time they got this infection. It was, it was pretty heartbreaking. It's very hard to watch, for me, children get, develop these complications. And how can we get past that, you know? Okay, thank you. Um, I do have a question, but it's really more presented as a preview. Very quickly, you mentioned new information that you're learning about itch, and I know that that would probably take too long, and we would love to have you back for an entire hour to talk about 
itch, but I was wondering if there was a way that you could just give a quick preview of something um, new that you've learned about itch. Yeah, we learned something very new. We, we have a, a major paper uh, that's under revision at the journal Cell. One misunderstanding about eczema right now across the board is that it is one itch. So if you look at clinical trials, they measure itch as if it's like a monolithic symptom. But I'm sure all of you can attest that your children do not itch constantly, consistently. You know, it, it, some people will itch terribly on, a, on Thursday night and do well on Saturday. And then come back, come to Tuesday night, they're ripping themselves up again. And in the short kind of answers, what we've identified is this, these acute itch flares that we see can be provoked by a very specific mechanism that's activated in patients with eczema. It's starting to explain why eczema is so heterogeneous in terms of its itch. So in other words, one person, um, uh, I could have uh, allergies to uh, Japanese cedar pollen, while Angela might have uh, allergies to house dust mite. And depending on what we get exposed to that day, we may have an incredible acute itch bout. And we figured out a mechanism that drives this process. Uh, and it explains why we have these huge peaks of itch in patients. And I think this is very important because it's unveiling that itch is actually very dynamic. It's, it's also complex and heterogeneous in eczema. But that's not to say, I don't want to go back to the idea that, oh, wait, itch is just too complex, you can't understand it. It's, it's quite the contrary. It's complex. And we understand it, and now it gives us greater resolution to better understand how much itch is actually affecting patients with eczema, and furthermore, importantly, how we can target it therapeutically. Great. I wanted to close us with a question that we ask all of our guests, which is, it's a, it's a choose-your-own-adventure question. So either, what is the most exciting area of eczema research right now? Or B, what does eczema, re what does eczema treatment look like in five to ten years? Uh, well, maybe I'll blend the two. Um, where do I see eczema research going? Uh, and that's most exciting. Uh, I think that the future of eczema research is understanding how the brain connects to inflammation in the skin. Um, I think that a lot of what we don't really appreciate is how much having a disease like eczema affects your, your brain. And, and, and in turn, that actually... That, that your mind is actually incredibly powerful. Um, I think we, we've often thought of the mind as being kind of divorced from inflammation, but we know that things like stress, um, anxiety, okay, in of themselves have their morbidity, but what we think, I'm a neuroimmunologist, I think that these kinds of things actually regulate inflammation and itch. And that, there's, there, that we need to deeply understand how, say, if you've had eczema for 10 years, what it's done to your brain and in turn, what your brain is doing to now make your eczema worse and propagate it. Wow, that is so fascinating. I can only imagine the complexity in teasing that out. So, uh, yes, that does sound like a really exciting frontier for research. Um, well, that brings us to the top of the hour. And so on behalf of Angela and I, as well as our group, thank you so much for your time. I'd like to invite folks on the line to join me in thanking Dr. Kim for being a guest on our episode today. Thank you all. Thank you, Dr. Kim. It's been such a valuable hour. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you all. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Dr. Kim.
You've been listening to the Eczema Breakthrough Podcast. To learn more and join Global Parents for Eczema Research or to subscribe to this podcast, please visit us at parentsforeczemaresearch.org. Thank you, and we'll see you next time on the Eczema Breakthrough Podcast.